Welcome to So Sorry for Your Loss. This is not your average grief group. I'm Gianna DiMedio. Thanks for joining me as we normalize the conversation around grief with the stories of those who've gone through it, a whole lot of humor, and a pinch of celebrity and entertainment news. Because fun fact, they grieve too. There's more to grief than that godforsaken dove flying over a willow tree on a sympathy card. I know you've seen it and know what I mean. Let's change the way society looks at it. Visit ssfylpodcast.com for more. Hi, welcome back. This week's episode has me absolutely freaking beaming with pride. My very best friend, actually my sister, I'm an only child and this is the closest thing I have to a sibling and I love her as if she is my own blood. Brittany Hook is my guest. You'll hear about our relationship and how we met and how close we are in the episode, but I want to explain to you how this even happened and like why I'm in such shock. I had some rescheduling with other guests for So Sorry for Your Loss, and Brittany and I have always talked about her coming on to talk about her grief. She's had miscarriage in her life, and you know that's obviously an issue that we like to address here, but I just wanted to keep it light and was like, listen, we can just do a Grief of the Week episode, talk about Betty White, talk about some other things that have gone on in the news. It doesn't need to be too heavy. A few days later, by the time we get to the interview. Zoom comes on. I see Brittany's face and she's like, all right, let's freaking do this. We're going to do it right. I want to open up about everything. And this is just so not her. We are so different in this sense. I'm the one with the podcast who puts it all out there in front of the world. She sometimes will not even tell me her deepest, darkest feelings. And we are best friends. So this is a huge step for her to share all this out here in the open like this. And I just couldn't be even more proud of her than than I am right now. I, I think that so many of you are going to be able to connect with this, especially if you're a mom, because we talk a lot about motherhood. But this overarching theme of unmet expectations, things in your life that you're planning for or that you're hoping for, and when they don't turn out the way that you think, and how devastating that can be, and how that in itself, is a type of grief. Also, you're going to hear how crazy we are together, but it's fun. We have so much fun. So hope you enjoy everything. Here's my very best friend, Brittany Hook. Ladies and gentlemen, Brittany Boys Hook. Boys and girls. <laughs> Brittany M. Core Hook, aka oh. Tyler's mom, aka my best friend and everything. And quite frankly, the reason that I am even here today even just like in life because i would have literally died if it weren't for you during the aftermath of what was gary d's demise also here in the podcast because people don't know this but she's like a silent partner in so sorry for your loss because every decision that i make basically goes by her because she has no problem being like that's fucking stupid don't do that Yes, 100%. I've told you this many times in private that you have been just such a supportive force in my life. And I honestly don't know where I would be, but like I wanted to make sure I said it now in front of millions, my millions and millions of listeners (laughs) around the world. Just kidding. It's just Mark and Josh that are listening. (laughs) Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. (laughs) Hey mom. I told her about that. that. No, can't even say that. Mom doesn't even listen. My mom will after this. Your mom will. That's good. My mom won't. She will listen in 10 years from now when she maybe finally believes that this is a thing. But hey, Linda, (laughs) we have been best friends for 25 years. Mm -hmm. We met in fourth grade, third grade, fourth grade. I had glasses. You had braces for the first time because you also got them again. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Thanks, mom. 
the <laughs> blue eyeshadow phase like sparkles all over our face. We made it through that. And we ironed our hair, like laid on ironed. the floor with an iron <laughs> like this. Like not flat iron, like straight up shirt straight. ironed each yes. other's hair. Clothing iron. <laughs> We've been through it all, literally. Yeah. We've been through it all from like high school stuff to college. And then of course, I think my most fun time was like, post-college, post-college, 25 and up, I would say. That meme that's, oh, leaving your best friend's house after a night out and the girl's got like an enormous duffel bag full of shit and like her hair's in a messy bun. There's like a bra hanging off of one arm. That was Brittany from my apartment every weekend for six years. (laughs) Literally, I'm... (laughs) I haven't changed. We did get pregnant around the same time in February of 2020 and did give birth to our children nine days apart from each other, which is absolutely wild. The amount of people who have asked if we planned this on purpose is hysterical, as if we had any control. Exactly. Thing that people may not know, and and Brittany has opened up about it on social a little bit, but that there there was another child before for her. We're here today because we're gonna talk about something that maybe is one of those silent things, but like the grief of expectations that are not met. I feel like if we're gonna talk about the expectations, like we need to start from the beginning because okay. I feel like I have expectations almost because of what I went through. Start with that, yeah. All right, I got pregnant in August of 2019, early August, because it was October when everything went down. So, um, right. Because you did drink for my birthday. Yes. Yes. I didn't drink for your birthday. It was like, I had just found out maybe three days prior that I was pregnant. That kind of sucked. It was your 30th birthday. I couldn't even drink. I know. It was not a good time. You said you (laughs) pretended you did. Because obviously if you denied a drink, I'd be like, that bitch is pregnant. I would know. You said you you took you took the champagne like to your mouth, but didn't drink. Yeah, and then but I didn't actually drink it. Everything was very normal from like the jump. I think we were so excited to get pregnant so quickly because a lot of our friends and even like family, just so many people that we knew were struggling to get pregnant. And when we started trying and got pregnant first shot, I was like, whoa, like this is unexpected. I didn't, I really didn't expect that to happen. So. From that point on, we felt like we struck gold. We just had a nor- I had a normal pregnancy. I wasn't bleeding. I wasn't showing any kind of signs that things were going wrong. I had my eight-week ultrasound and there was a nice, strong little heartbeat. I decided way before that we weren't going to find out the gender and everything was just hunky-dory. Going as planned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was our, it was my 12-week ultrasound. So it was actually 12 week, three days. I will literally never forget. I'll never forget so many things about that day. I'll never forget yeah. like what the weather was like, what I was, I can tell you exactly what I was wearing. I can tell you like what I was reading as we were sitting there waiting for to go in to get the ultrasound. And we went in and everything seemed normal. And then all of a sudden the ultrasound tech was just, I'm so sorry to tell you, I've got to get the doctor. There's no heartbeat. And like, literally my stomach just like, just did one of those kind of like the literal flips where it just feels mm-hmm. like it's in your heart or your heart is in your throat or some kind of body part somewhere. It's not. Yeah. To- <laughs> yeah. It all just goes all over the place. Yeah. It's like exactly. gravity within your body just goes out and everything yeah. just reshifts. Yeah. And I just remember saying, because I don't know what else I could say. I just remember Josh like grabbing me and I just kept saying over and over again, like, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. And I have no idea to this day why I said it's, it was kept saying it's Okay. I don't know if I was trying to convince myself or my husband or the tech or whatever was happening at the time. That's like all that was coming out of my mouth. 
And then it was just like a blur after that. I've never really experienced like a major loss before, like luckily, other than like a grandparent or the closest person to me to have experienced loss is you within your dad. And I had no clue what it was going to feel like. And then what happens is for me, when I deal with something like really bad and this now, it's I don't want to talk to anybody then. I remember I texted you and I was like, I don't even know what I said, but basically. I'll remember, I remember that exact moment too. Yeah. And it was crazy because maybe the day or a few days before you had just said to me, I feel like I'm starting to see a little bump. <laughs> and then for like this to be the next thing to hear about it was just devastating. And you had, I think you had just said, I'm just coming home from the doctor's appointment. There's no heartbeat. That's it. It's over. I'll, I I don't want to talk about it right now. We'll talk later. I just stood there frozen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You get that text and you're like, well, what do I do with that? What do you mean? She doesn't want to talk right now. It's like, you want to do at that point is talk to that person. And that's how I felt with your dad. You were always down to talk about how you were feeling at the time, which is great, which is like one of the things that you preach the most, get it out there and stuff. But for me, it's like when something like that really serious happens, I just need a moment, whether it's like a couple hours or a day or whatever, just to be inside myself. And then, and then, and then I'll start. Yeah. And I think that's how it happened with my mom with the news about her. I don't think I came out with it like quickly at first. And I think it took me yeah. a couple to internalize it and then tell you. Like yeah. That. To give some context there. So your mom was diagnosed with breast cancer in the, in the past mm-hmm. year. And it is mm-hmm. interesting because for as similar as we are in so many ways, that is one of the ways that we differ because when something bad happens to me, I immediately need to get it out. It's, it's like, <laughs> if I sit with it, it's going to, it's going to eat me alive and I need to have it out there to you, to my husband, to somebody just to feel like I'm not being strangled by it. But mm-hmm. you will tell me like, okay, I just wanted to let you know, but three days ago, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. I was like, three days? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? You've been sitting with this for, yeah. And she's starting to hopefully turn around for the better. It's definitely been a challenging year for our whole family. We're just, I don't know. I have no idea what to say. (laughs) Doing it. There's no right way to process it. I think the biggest thing that you said is that even though it takes you some time, you do get there. I would be very concerned if it was my mom has breast cancer. That's it. I don't want to talk about it ever. I had a miscarriage. That's it. I'm putting it away. We're not ever addressing this again. That is where the huge problem is. There's no timeline of when you need to start talking about it, but like at some point it needs to come out and we need mm-hmm. to process this in a healthy way. So yeah. it's fine the way that you do it. We do it differently and that's totally fine. The other thing I want to go back to is when you talked about the day of the miscarriage, how you remember what you were wearing, you remember the weather, you remember all those details. That is exactly how I feel about those days that my dad was in the hospital the day that my dad passed. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a testament to how significant miscarriage is. It is still so underappreciated as being a monumental thing to happen to somebody's life. I think people just don't see it as a baby or just don't see it as being that Mm -hmm. big of a deal, but it is here. The death of my father and the death of this baby had that significant impact on both of us. Miscarriage is so important to be able to talk about and to bring that to light. So again, thank you for sharing that. So do you want to talk a little bit about what the journey was like? from there and then getting pregnant the second time and how that. Okay. So I think it's fair to say, and I I do want to get it out there. Like I had no idea how significant miscarriage was until I went through it. 
And I think that's the way that it is with so no many one does. People, right? No one does. Right? No clue, right? Like until you're really going through it, you have no idea. I think before I had a miscarriage, I probably thought some of those things that you just said, oh, like it'll be okay. You're going to have another baby. Like all the, all oh, you're the still young. Are, you're fine. It's not God's plan. It's not your time. It's all the things that you really don't want to hear when you have a miscarriage. Like I probably thought were said not having any clue that wasn't what the person needed to hear at the time. Mm. And then I have to say, go having gone through the miscarriage, like I am so sensitive now to people who are trying to comfort me because I remember being back in their shoes and having no clue what to say. And then, and also they're not, it's awkward. People don't know what to to do. So I'm sensitive towards myself. And I'm also sensitive towards people who are trying to provide comfort and have no clue how to do it. Yeah, I totally agree. There's some posts that will go around social sometimes. And it's like things not to say to grievers, which don't get me wrong. There's a million things, but also I'm very sensitive of reposting or doing anything to that vein because I don't want people to shy away from doing anything Anything, for fear that it's wrong. Mm -hmm. Because just saying anything is Mm -hmm. even appropriate. Exactly. 100%. 100%. Maybe as it has a little sting of what you don't want to hear, but at the same time, it's like the person's just trying their best in the moment. Yeah. And grief can just be super awkward. Yeah. It was a really long road. I would say I had the DNE. So for those who don't know, it's a dilation and evacuation. They basically go on up there, take whatever's you know in there out and so on and so forth. And then the, I would say a really difficult part was a month later. This was they, the fucking worst. Yes. So the fucking worst they, I was still showing pregnant on like pregnancy tests and I was still like weirdly bleeding and still things were still not right. They didn't get everything out is the long story short of that version. So they had to go up there again for a repeat DNE. And I would say like such an unfeeling word, what they used, they would, they said, I had retained product. Oh my God. Product is the word that they use for child. So sterile and gross. I know that was tough because it was like, first you have the DNA, then it's like a month later. Than the we went on to luckily, I, I would say get pregnant again. We got pregnant in February. So it wasn't very long after that it happened. But I think so many of the fears with the first miscarriage, and I said first, so I will have to get to the second. Yeah. But at the time of the first miscarriage, I didn't know anything. Like, was I ever going to be able to have kids? Yeah. There was so much fear around, am I ever going to have a healthy baby? You start to spiral and you start to think, even though every single medical professional and friend and family member will tell you, you did nothing wrong. It's, did I eat something I shouldn't have? Did I drink something I shouldn't have? Was I working out in a way I shouldn't have been working yeah. out? And then you go even deeper and you're like, is this God or the universe or somebody out there telling me I'm not supposed to be a mom? I'm going to be a shitty ass mom and I am not supposed to have kids. <laughs> so like when you go, when I went through that the first time, it was like, I didn't have I had no clue what was going to happen. It's so much of like you, of unknowing. It's just mm-hmm. the unknown. Which is yeah. so hard in general. The unknown just absolutely sucks as mm-hmm. it is. And then wrap it into these grief situations. And it's just the worst. Mm-hmm. So I was lucky enough to give birth to my little baby boy, Tyler, in November of 2020. He's just perfect. <laughs> I think every parent thinks their child is perfect. No, this Um, one is perfect. He's so adorable (laughs) and so cute and looks exactly like her. (laughs) A sin. Exactly like her. He really does. I have to say, like, we didn't find out the gender. And I just assumed that if we had a boy, he would come out looking like my husband. And if we had a girl, 
he would look like me. And I had a C-section. I, the only thing I wanted out of the whole like birth thing was for Josh to announce the gender. And they pull this baby up over the curtain and Josh yells, it's a boy. And I like, pick my drugged head up trying to like see this baby. And I look at it and I'm like, I remember in my mind thinking, but it's me. <laughs> I thought I just had birthed myself. Like I looked at the face and I have the worst, ugliest crying face of all time. And of course he's screaming when he comes out. I'm like, that's my face. That is my face. <laughs> and yeah. It all yeah. did turn out well and good, but yeah. you skirt it over a little bit because you got pregnant and it wasn't just, okay, great. I'm pregnant now. And now I'm going to have a baby and everything oh, yeah. from the miscarriage is deleted oh, because you had a tough time. I, 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 I so would say yes. probably the whole pregnancy, but really severely until at least 20 weeks, mm -hmm. you had a tough time even acknowledging that you were pregnant because yes. you felt you didn't you didn't want to acknowledge it and then it be taken away from you again. And you thought if you didn't feel that it was real, that it would help you in the next grieving phase. And I remember having to say to you like, hi, this is going to be devastating no matter what. If you lose this baby now, and I don't care if it's been two weeks, three weeks, whatever, like it's still going to hurt. You're not going to protect yourself from not getting hurt. I remember it was such a, it was such a crazy time because all you wanted to do was like celebrate our babies together. What friend wouldn't? Of course, we're best friends. We're pregnant at the same time. It was like so exciting. And yet I couldn't get excited. Like anytime you were like bringing it up, yeah. I was like, excuse me, I was shutting it down. I was like, yeah. no, we're not talking about this. We'll talk about your baby, but we're not talking about my baby. But I think for the first 20 weeks, we talked about your baby because I was just yeah. like, like, until I see that everything is going right. Like I would hold my breath through every freaking ultrasound. And then because I was pregnant during COVID, the second time around, then Josh couldn't be with me. Yeah. And so that was really hard because the first miscarriage when he was in the room and could be there for support. So the second time around when he couldn't come, oh my to gosh. Yeah. I was like alone. I was just like ripping the bed. Yeah. I think almost every time before you had an ultrasound, you the night before was like a mess. And mm -hmm. you were like, I'm just imagining being in that room alone and them telling me I'm miscarrying and Josh isn't there. What mm -hmm. do I do? And it was just like me clutching my phone every morning, like yeah. making sure that you got out and it was okay and all was good and like texting Josh yeah. and be like, have you heard from her? Is everything all right? And da da da. Yeah. But yeah, the PTSD of that was really tough. Mm -hmm. It really was. Like, you're so right. It wasn't just, oh, hey, I'm pregnant again and everything went away. Like, and this is what I want to like probably emphasize is that the announcement of our second baby, Tyler, didn't take away the pain of the first. And I still think about my first baby. Like, I know that my every day I think about that first baby. I'm not crying about it anymore every day or I'm not like getting overwhelmed with emotion. But I think to myself, like, how old will that baby be now? What is that baby doing now, if you believe in a heaven, which I do, like I think about, we found out through genetic testing, like by accident, because we just had to get genetic testing done to see what happened with like the baby. And if there was any kind of like underlying things that could happen in reoccurring pregnancy, we did find out that it was a girl. And then I think about like my daughter and, yeah. and then, so again, bringing it back down to the spiraling, it's, there's no secret. Like we, I wanted a boy, like we wanted a boy, something in me, like just wanted my husband to have a boy. Right. And I wanted to have a boy. Mm -hmm. And then I think to myself, and after I found out that, did I wish away this girl? Yeah. And am I ever going to Which is impossible and not real, but that's the stuff that your brain just makes you mm -hmm. think that you had any control over whatsoever. Yeah. I guess one thing I failed at was, is this karma 
for all of my past mistakes or mm. some of my past mistakes. That was a big one. That was a you huge one. You are so hard on yourself about that too. <laughs> yeah. I just feel like, did I, is this karma? I still think about this baby. I still think about yeah. her and what she's doing and how old she would be. And someone else who had a miscarriage told me, eventually you'll start thinking if that child was born, I wouldn't have this child now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I just got chills. Right. Yes. Like we wouldn't have Tyler and I could never imagine my life without Tyler. Like truly. Yeah. Unfortunately, that wasn't my only miscarriage. I got pregnant again, just like very recently, uh, actually in October of this year, 2021. So we were about to have two under two. We had a due date July 14th. And honestly, like not many people know about this at all. Like it's our immediate family and like our immediate friend circle. And Mm -hmm. that's it. I didn't put the word out there that we had miscarried again very recently because it just, it's different this time around. I think it's different for a bunch of reasons. It's different because I never saw a heartbeat. It's also different because now I know I can have a healthy baby. We did it once and it just, again, the unknown, it's still there but also not there. Cause yes. we I had gone through it one time. I lived through it one time. It's just different the second time around yeah. for me. Yeah. So we are still trying. <laughs> I can't say on here that like, hey, I am pregnant again yet because I'm not, maybe we will be, but who knows what the future brings, <laughs> but to, to your point, I know. And I know we have talked about this where like, once my dad passed, it was like, I, can never ever go through this again. This is awful. I want to put everybody, including you, into a box and never let them go outside and I can never lose anybody. And then unfortunately when that day came and I lost a really close friend of mine this spring, while it was devastating and while I was on the floor wailing and screaming because of how horrible that pain was, it didn't last as long as it did for my dad. And my dad is obviously a more significant loss, but you can get through it again. Mm-hmm. You can't like, yeah. and it's probably one of those things that like you wouldn't actually ever say to yourself. Like I would never admit to myself, Gianna, you're a lot stronger than you think you are, but it's unfortunately when you're in those situations that you do get faced with it and you mm-hmm. realize that. Well, and that's how that, we have each other because we say to each other, you're a lot stronger than you think you are. 100%. 100%. <laughs> you're so much smarter than you think. <laughs> You are beautiful. <laughs> you can do it. <laughs> I know. And God damn it, people like you. I know. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's you, you don't realize how much strength you take from these times of grief. I think you started saying to me in, the, in your recent miscarriage of, I don't know, am I just holding this all in? Am I not grieving this appropriately? Am I not understanding yeah. what's actually happening to me? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, you are. You're just able to process it way differently and on almost way better than you were before. Like you don't realize how many tools you are able to pack into your tool belt after you yeah. go through something like it's that. It's so true. I was like, am I, yeah. Am I not grieving the right way? Yeah. 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 The thing that Mark and I always talk about my husband, it's I hate that we have to go through things like that to be able to do that. Like in the tool belt analogy, I hate that there's no other freaking way to acquire those tools. Mm-hmm. other than going oh, through it yourself. Yes. And another tool that you talk about all the time, which helped me significantly, therapy. Oh, oh my favorite tool. My favorite tool. Oh, my gosh. After it took me, and I remember you telling me, you need to talk to somebody. You need to talk to somebody. You need to talk to somebody. 
bitch, I needed to talk to somebody for years. Like <laughs> I have needed help for years, like <laughs> way before the miscarriage. I just needed like a good therapist. Right. Yeah. And so, but oh, you well. had this misconception of, but nothing's really wrong in my life. I don't, I, it's stupid for me to even go to therapy because nothing yes. really happened. It doesn't yes. matter. Yes. Don't wait no. until then. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I wish, I, I wish I had gone years and years ago now. Like I, have such like a good relationship with my therapist. So anywho, after the first miscarriage, it was about six months, seven months. Mm-hmm. I think it was like July when I finally started seeing a therapist and I was obviously pregnant again with Tyler. And I think that's what helped me through so many things, which we'll talk about, but also the second miscarriage, like having support and having- Right. Support. Yeah. Feeling like you had somewhere to go mm-hmm. and not that you didn't have me and your husband and your mom. It's just different. It's so different. It's so different. And I think you have to be so comfortable with your therapist. Can you hear him screaming? There's said child. (laughs) So I was saying like how really important it is to have a relationship with your therapist where you do not feel judged, like where you can come into therapy and just put it all out there. I know that only comes over time. I've been seeing my therapist for a, a year and a half now. And I, I wouldn't say it's like it happened right off the bat because it, it didn't. But now yeah. when I talk to her, it's just things that I would be embarrassed to say to even you or, or Josh or my mom or anybody else. Like I can say right to her and it feels so good because I'm just mm-hmm. like, yeah, here's my crazy ass thought. Like, <laughs> <laughs> let me take you down this rabbit hole, baby. <laughs> yeah. Like literally rabbit hole. Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. You've heard me talk about how therapy has been an absolute life changer for me. Like I legit don't know where I'd be without it. So if you're on the hunt for a therapy partner, you need to check out BetterHelp. It offers virtual services, assesses your personalized needs, and matches you with a licensed professional therapist that you can start talking to within 48 hours. And it's even more affordable than traditional counseling. Speaking of affordability, they're allowing me to gift you with 10% off your first month because I love you and I want to see you get the help that you need. You absolutely owe it to yourself to seek the support of a licensed therapist. You probably already do your banking online, read your news online, and do so many other things online. So go ahead and take care of that aching heart. Again, code SSFYL can get you 10% off your first month. They really make it so simple. So go check it out. Betterhelp.com SSFYL. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash SSFYL. Thanks to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Therapy has helped immensely. And I wish I had started sooner. I, things I never thought I would hear from Brittany Hook. And I am so happy and so proud of you for that. Thank you. you. If Brittany can do it, anyone can do it. Yeah. I think that just, it's all just attributed to maybe growing up or maturity or like something. I think over the years I've been able to let my vulnerability show. You know? I think how much it's it's starting to be accepted into society too. I think definitely over the last two years with COVID and just the amount of people who have all of a sudden been feeling a grief or depression or anxiety or things that they've never been confronted with in their life. Now we've seen it on a global worldwide scale Mm -hmm. and these companies that have been coming out that are making it a lot more accessible for everybody. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping that people are taking advantage and are, are really getting into some therapy because like we said, like it it doesn't have to be some big monumental thing that happened in your life. If you're just not comfortable and you're, you feel that there is a difference in the way that you're seeing life than how you should be or the way that you're feeling, like absolutely seek out a therapist. 
Yeah. I always say, I wish I had gotten started sooner because it would have helped me immensely in just like my relationships with people. All right. So on this whole theory of the grief of unmet expectations, that with motherhood and everything that you just talked about, there's this expectation that you try, you get pregnant, you have baby, everything's well and good. Mm -hmm. That was taken from you. And then this expectation of, okay, when you finally are pregnant, you share it with your friends, you share it with your family, you have these events, you do this and that, that was taken from you because of COVID. Most of us who were pregnant during that time didn't experience it the same way. And even still now, I think through motherhood, that's something that has been challenging and we've talked about. There's not as many like groups of moms that are hanging out together. There's not as many like activities that you can take your kid to without having an anxious fear factor of, am I going to get them COVID just by going to this or them touching that ball that some other kid just touched and then the unmet expectations among family members and how you think that they're going to behave when you have a child and you bring them in and or like their their judgments about what you should or should not be doing with your child during this time oh yeah that's a nightmare yeah sorry but my husband and I work full-time jobs and he's got to go to daycare just because we work from home like we're so blessed to be able to work remotely again can you hear him right now in the background like we can't handle a child at home while we're working full-time So he's got to go to daycare. Sorry, guys. Yeah. There's so many things that come with unmet expectations. And I, there's so many for me, like right off the bat, like after I gave birth to Tyler, it like hit me like a ton of bricks. So first unmet first, like the grief that I had to go through of not being able to have a vaginal delivery. I know that might sound silly to some, but like, I don't know why, but I still grieve this. Like, yeah this, I didn't get to push him out. Yeah. Like, I, and maybe I will, maybe I won't with a future baby, but the fact that I had a C-section and I didn't get that like full motherhood experience or whatever, it's sad. It feels mm. sad to me. It still mm. feels like very raw at times. Yeah. So there was that. And then there was a lot of issues around like my milk supply and I was gung ho breastfeed, but my milk supply was just so low. I would 20 minutes and then he would still be screaming because he was hungry because there wasn't enough. Breastfeeding should go into the category of miscarriages where no one talks about how traumatizing and how hard that can be. I was not prepared for that at all. I think that we were fed this narrative that it's always on the mom and it's always on whether the mom is strong enough to keep going with breastfeeding. So I thought to myself, especially, first of all, I definitely wanted to do it. And then second of all, now that we were working from home because of this whole COVID nonsense, Mm -hmm. that, oh my gosh, I'm going to be able to keep up with this way longer than I thought. This is going to be wonderful. I'm going to breastfeed her for, yeah, I'm going to breastfeed her for a year. Mm -hmm. No one told me that it could be this baby's decision. And I, think that's what happened to the both of us too, where they were just like, I need something else. Mm-hmm. And my, the lactation consultant called it Sienna's leadership skills. <laughs> wow. <laughs> she was showing her leadership skills and that she preferred to drink from a bottle and that she just wanted more milk than I was able to give her. And I was like, oh, right. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And then you, and that like was devastating. Yeah. Total you feel failure. Like so like you, you grieve this like special time that yeah. you only get to have for, it was so limited. Yeah. Yeah. So there was that. And then another really strange thing that happened to me, two really strange things. Like you're supposed to be in this like postpartum phase where everything is like, just, you have all these hormones and things are like, I know that things can be very like 
happy. Some people are just like really happy. Things were going on in my life that were not happy. Like You're like some fucking freaks of nature are yeah. happy during yes. this period. Yes. What? <laughs> it was like three days after I finally came home from the hospital and like I had a blood clot the size of an orange. Oh my God. That was another thing. And you called me like hours later. You're like, hi, just letting you know I'm getting home from the hospital because this yeah. happened. I would be like calling you in the ambulance. You, <laughs> you were like, literally in, where were you were? The Virgin Islands? Where were I, you? <laughs> you called yes. me. I was crying. in St. Mark's when I broke my ankle. See, I'm crying. I, I can't speak French. And I'm like, I'm literally in Pennsylvania. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Weird. And I'm like, where's Mark? Like, I'm like freaking out. Yes. So again, totally different. I think I called you like the next day and I was like, yeah, I had to go in the ambulance. I had an enormous blood clot. Like I thought I was, I thought I was hemorrhaging. So that was weird. And then the weirdest thing that happened was three weeks after I gave birth, I had postpartum Bell's palsy. So for, again, for those who don't know, Bell's palsy is, it's very rare to have postpartum Bell's palsy is not a common thing. But Higher. another thing that's completely not even talked about, I didn't even know that was an option. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, can you check this box for Bell's palsy? Like, do you want it or not? <laughs> like, yeah, no, don't. Want. So the entire right side of my face completely paralyzed. Like I remember being in the shower and feeling my mouth, it was like weird. I'm like, what's happening? Like I, I have kind of a large, weird mouth as it is. <laughs> this, was, <laughs> this was different. <laughs> like I smile with all my teeth. Like <laughs> So anyway, I started feeling weird in my mouth and I went downstairs and I looked at my husband and I was like, do I like, do I like look strange to you over here? And he was like, yeah, like, your mouth looks like a little crooked. And I was like, do you think I'm having a stroke? Like after everything that had happened, I had weird like tinnitus throughout my entire pregnancy. Yeah. I ended up having gestational diabetes, which was the whole thing. And it yeah. sounds like I had such a terrible pregnancy, delivery, labor, everything that nothing was off the table. I was like, am I having a stroke? Sure. Why not? Let's have a stroke now. It turns out it was just Bell's palsy, but that entire right side of my face. It was extreme. Bad. You sent me pictures yeah. and I couldn't believe it. When and you then, were telling me, oh, I just thought, oh, like maybe your mouth is like a little droopy and no. And then when we finally FaceTimed, you were like, <gasps> yeah, like, I don't even, I don't like, I don't know if we're going to publish a picture with this whole thing. Cause that's just, but so. again, you handled it in such stride. I think like you said, like you, you just were handed so many curveballs with all of this that you were like, yeah, the whole side of my face is frozen. <laughs> like I would have been. <laughs> like screaming I, I i would have you were just like yeah this is like this week's bingo card like <laughs> whatever yeah. yeah there was so much going on that this was just like put it on top of the pile yeah next thing that happened and i haven't divulged this to really anyone because it's like such a taboo subject to talk about and we it should be talked about more was i got fell into a really deep postpartum depression um, not the kind where it's scary, like you want to hurt your child or anything like that. But I've never experienced depression before, like mm -hmm. even through the miscarriage and stuff like that. It just, that's not the way my brain, like luckily was wired at the time. And it was probably like right around Christmas time. And I had just been like, I was so sad every day mm -hmm. and putting so much pressure on myself and letting outside people also get into my head about mm -hmm. how I should be doing things as a mom 
and I wasn't doing a good enough job. And you are so vulnerable in that state. And it's almost like your prey and all these people are predators. And oh, it is. It's like it's a good way to phrase that. They're coming at, and you're just such as vulnerable, like I'm just a new mom and I'm just trying to do my best. And yeah, people think they're helping with, and they're yeah. not. And some people did. Uh, yeah. I, I, I want to say it right now, Caitlin Dugan, I love you so much. I love you. <laughs> Dr. I love you. Dugan, I love you. <laughs> or, she was so helpful. She sent me this amazing baby sleep course. And that is the only thing that kept me besides therapy and some good meds. The baby sleep course <laughs> was mm-hmm. the only thing that kept me out of the loony bin. Truly, yeah. I would have been institutionalized. Like I was headed down that road because I was, it was in such a dark place. I didn't think that I wanted to be here anymore. I felt like this world, my baby, my family, like everybody was just better off without me. Like I remember you saying that. It was that. So, so sad. And there was one thing that my therapist said that I will forever be thankful to her for saying she was like, there will be a piece of Tyler's heart forever missing if you are not here. Oh my gosh. And in that moment, for whatever moment that was, like, that's what I needed to hear. And it was like one of the things that kind of brought me out of the darkness. But I was just in a really dark place. And luckily for like you, for my mom, for Josh, for like my support system, for just saying like, I think you need to talk to someone. Like you need to get help. Like you need something, you need medicine at this point. Thank God that I did. Yeah. Thank God that I did. I remember the day you said you went out to run some errands and you called me from the car and you said, I don't want to go home. Mm-hmm. I sat and in the parking lot and I just wanted to, I had all these like escaping fantasies of just, you know, just run away to Europe now. Oh, sure. <laughs> okay, Emily. <laughs> hey, that wasn't out at the time. She totally copied me. Emily in Paris. <laughs> yeah. She totally copied my thought. But yeah, I had so many, it was just crazy. You never think this is going to happen to you in postpartum. I, right. I never expected any of this. I expected maternity leave to be this like kind of. Oh yeah. Thing. Three month vacation. Maternity leave. What Another thing I never expected was wanting to go back to work. Uh-huh. Like I thought to people who like wanted to go back to work, I'm like, before I had a baby, I'm like, you're a crazy person. I'm going to want to spend every waking moment with my child. I just, I can't leave my child. By the end of it, I was like, it is so much easier to go back to a, an office job than it is to sit in this weird hell that I've created for myself yeah. all day long. Yeah. So postpartum, a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. And, and which we are two women out of the billions of women that there are in this world. And we even experienced it so differently. That's the other thing. It's very hard to be able to support people when you don't really even know how they're going through it because there are so many different variables that can affect how a woman feels in that period. And I I remember another thing I was saying to you when you're like, oh, I don't know why this is hitting me so hard. And I'm like, okay, first I would like to say to you that you're already starting out at a disadvantage because you're not on medicine. Like I'm already on medicine. I've been on antidepressants and anxiety (laughs) meds and all that shit because of everything that happened with my dad. So I'm like, I went into this with help. So don't compare yourself to me and think that I'm doing any better. Mm-hmm. Like I just arrived here with a flotation device. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But not to say that I didn't have a hard time too, not to your extent, but I definitely grieved my pregnancy. That was something I was not 
prepared for and that the fact that the baby was living outside of me now and that other people could hold her and feed her and do mm-hmm. things for her and she wasn't 100% reliant on me and I could protect her at all times was horrible in my head. I hated it. I hated it. I, I, which is, it's so, I'm trying not to laugh because I'm just like, I know. We're, we're completely the opposite when uh-huh. it came to, yeah. We're completely opposite. And you also loved your husband postpartum because you felt like he was so helpful in helping. I hated every ounce of oxygen that came out of my husband's <laughs> mouth. Just wrong. Why and... are you breathing? <laughs> just tell the like, no penises can make it, can make a joke. Oh yes, absolutely. Yeah. Brittany yes. created a rule in her home and please share it because I think no, it, would be, no. it would be what? No, no. We were at the beach this summer when you had just broken your foot and you were just fucking miserable. And oh, remember, gosh, really? I don't the- even remember. Oh my God. You got in the car and you were just like pissed off. Like whatever Mark was doing wasn't, it clearly he was just doing everything like you would normally. Right. Oh, of course. Being the yes. most helpful dad, like the best husband ever, but it was still just wrong. Yes. And you were like, <laughs> you were like everyone in this car, no one with a penis is allowed to make a joke. I said that. Yes. I thought yes. you said that. I don't even no, that's my job. like. I don't even remember. I mean, we can cut this whole part out, but that's what happened. No, you that part is staying in. Business. Oh, this whole time I thought it was your fabulous advice. No, it, was it was my yours. fabulous advice. <laughs> yes, no penises are allowed to make a joke. And then it okay, was like, well, let me restart this. So I came up with this fabulous rule. That's so funny. Uh, this entire time that we've made jokes about it since, I thought it was you. That was just how deep in my anger and depression yeah. and just whatever the f it was. Whatever Mark was doing was wrong. Yeah. And we, we oh. oscillate like this with our husband, our husbands. It's one moment. I love Josh and you hate Mark. And the next moment you, you hate Mark and I, whatever, vice versa. Uh-huh. Yeah. They've just come to realize that though. They just Dude, know. These poor men. These poor, like, poor, poor. How did we get this lucky that they stay? I hope this ages well. And that by the time I publish it, one of them hasn't filed for divorce. <laughs> no. I know. On next Please. week's episode of so sorry for your loss. <laughs> talking dissolving marriages oh my god <laughs> i always say that josh is not going to leave me because it's too much paperwork and he doesn't want to do the paperwork <laughs> <There. laughs> he'd be lost without me is there something about your experience with all of these unmet expectations that has helped you move forward because you're not in the place where you were in postpartum and you are happy you can mm-hmm see the good in life and you can move on and and celebrate the life that you have now. What has helped you do that? What are some lessons that you've learned from feeling those things? I would just say the most important thing was time as hard as that is to hear because when you're in it, all you want is for the time to go by faster so you could feel better. And I think it took me like a good, like nine months to a year where I started like feeling like I was myself again. And even now I still don't like fully feel like myself. I guess we should say that's a whole nother part of the conversation, but we could say that much of my postpartum depression came with me losing who I was. Yeah. I I couldn't, I'm, I'm failing at explaining this right now. Like, no, but honestly, talk about so sorry for your loss, that loss of self. 
that and yes. how detrimental that is when all you're told is you're going to gain and you're going to have this baby and you're going to feel mm -hmm. a love that you never have before. I do think we had this double whammy of having a pregnancy in the time of COVID and hitting the postpartum in COVID too. Like it clearly it hasn't ended. We are still in it. We are still in the thick of this pandemic. We, every phase of that incredible time of our life was submerged in this grief of COVID too. And talk about unmet expectations. These things that we thought were going to be present in that experience just weren't there. Mm -hmm. And we didn't have our, our daily hangouts with friends our going to work, like every, everything about our schedule and our life completely got blown to bits. So then mm -hmm. to add a baby into that too, how can you possibly feel like the same person? Mm -hmm. I, that was like the first part of where I, where the postpartum started is I was like, oh my God, like I'm no longer just me anymore. Yeah. It hit so hard that I had this little living being depending on me forever now. And there was another part of me and my therapist would be so proud because I go through this therapy called IFS. It's called parts therapy. Okay. So if you ever hear yourself what is, say, what does that mean? It's internal family systems is IFS. And okay. it's all based upon, again, it's people refer to it as parts therapy. So if you ever hear yourself saying there's a part of me that, okay. or there's a part of me that it's, you have all these different parts of yourself who my therapist would say they're all working for your ultimate good. Even if for some reason you don't feel like they are, for instance, like your procrastination part right? Mm -hmm. Like, how is that trying to help you? How can procrastinating possibly be trying to help you? Oh, well, that's interesting. It's help. yes, it's trying to help you because it's trying to take you out of the uncomfortable thing that you're trying not to do. It's an, it's a whole interesting theory, right? Mm -hmm. But there's a part of me that felt immense guilt for going through any kind of postpartum. I almost like wouldn't let myself believe it because yeah. I had gone through a miscarriage and what a shitty ass human being I was for now, not appreciating every moment of, you know, the, you know, the saying, enjoy every moment, right? Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. how could I possibly have cried and wished and prayed and hoped for this child? And now all of a sudden, like I'm struggling to want this. Mm -hmm. What? What an asshole. The guilt and grief is one of the most difficult parts to handle. I think Mm -hmm. I even just recently was feeling that where we're here, we're living in Florida now. I feel so great. I like the house. My baby is thriving. And I had this moment of feeling happy and I felt so guilty and so wrong for feeling that way mm -hmm. because my dad's not here mm -hmm. and because Mark's mom's not here. And because I have all these friends who've also lost a, a parent and they're not happy, or I have all these other friends who are dealing with depression or other things in their life and they're not happy and I don't deserve to feel that. And yeah, it's how just, am I allowed to be happy when everybody else is? Yeah. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I wonder what the IFS or whatever this is, I wonder what that says about that. Family systems. Yeah. It's really cool. Like she yeah, it's really cool. Parts therapy. Have you ever seen that movie Inside Out? Is that a cartoon? Yes. And all the they're like all the different emotions. Yes. Yeah. That is like the parts therapy movie. So if you think okay. like Yes. And they're all ultimately, if you watch the movie, they're all ultimately working to like, so for instance, there's this little one in there called disgust. And mm -hmm. so she works because she's, oh no, that's, that's poison. You can't eat that or drink that. Or, oh no, that's a very disgusting something to look at. So you don't look at that. Mm -hmm. There's all these, that's just maybe a terrible example, but 
No, I understand what you're saying. It's they're trying to protect you from those things, but then maybe yeah. sometimes it goes a little overboard and it does it in things that aren't really disgusting, but it thinks it's helping you in doing so. Yes, that is literally, you're nailing it. You have Look now become a I am a psychiatrist. You're a therapist. <laughs> over and out. But yes, you are nailing it. So all of what happens is, I mean, your angry parts can start to like work in overdrive or your judgmental part can work in overdrive. Your fear of failure part can totally take over and make you stuck in these certain jobs or life habits or whatever it is. They can paralyze you because they think they're trying to help. Totally. Yeah. I have to watch that movie again. And now I'm going to look at it totally different. Yes. All right. Before we close out, I want to talk about Betty White, because we cannot have a podcast on grief and loss and not talk about the loss of America's grandma. She is just, have you ever seen, there's a documentary, I think it was on Netflix about her. And so she did so much more than I realized. Like she wasn't just the golden girl. She like had her own talk show at a time where nobody would give women airtime. She had an American bandstand type of thing that she hosted. And she was very trailblazing because she was giving black musicians and black Mm -hmm. actors a time on television and time on her show when nobody else would at the Mm -hmm. time when she was criticized for it basically said then turn the channel then put on something else because i'm not going to change what i'm doing yes and isn't it crazy that sometimes and i feel like it's this way very often like only through death then do we go and you're like i never realized all this about betty white it's yeah because now she's passed now we're now it's all coming Mm -hmm. full circle and we're like realizing what all the good that she's done. And it I sucks saw, to have to be in depth. A hundred percent. I saw a tweet one time that was like, oh, I should try to find this again. It's probably impossible, but it was like, here's a thought. We should not wait until a person's funeral to say all the wonderful good things about them. We should try and do that yearly. And somebody responded was like, yeah, that's a birthday. <laughs> and it is true. And like, sometimes I feel like, oh, this is so weird. I shouldn't call that much attention to my birthday, but you should celebrate every single year, every single month, every single week on this earth, because not everybody is afforded that opportunity and people should feel celebrated. And I want to make sure that I let the people in my life know how much I love them and what they mean to me and what the last year with them has mm-hmm. really been. But she has had so many cool accomplishments and another tweet here that talks about her. Betty White divorced a man in her 40s because he didn't support her career, (laughs) which at a time was just unheard of. This is when you got married, you had babies, you lived in the kitchen for the rest of your life. Yeah. She chose not to have children at a time when that was unheard of, publicly told off racists in the 50s, championed LGBTQ plus rights, and had an eight-decade career the word legend doesn't begin to cover it. She was like such a champion of like animal rights as well too. E! News had highlighted that her assistant said that the last word out of her mouth was Alan. I can't. Who was her late husband's name. I can't. And I wonder, was she uh, like crossing over? Was she seeing him? I know, did she see Because you know how they say that you Mm -hmm. are like in and out of both worlds at that time? Yeah. Yeah. Was she surrounded? Was he in the room with her at that time? Yeah. No? Yeah. Yeah. Big fan of all the science stuff, obviously. Oh, 100%. We'll have to have you back and we'll do a whole episode just to even talk about that. What do you think your last word would be? Because I have a prediction. (gasps) I think with almost 99.9% accuracy, it would be something involving food. 
<laughs> like, obviously. <laughs> oh, my Lanta. Um, this girl, I said, is basically a newborn, can eat every hour on the hour and in between, would yeah. text me from work the days when we used to go into an office and tell me that if she didn't get a mac and cheese in the next 30 minutes, she was going to break down into tears. Yeah. She would think about pickles and immediately need one if it's she decides that chicken wings are going to be for dinner nine times out of ten she doesn't wait until dinner and we'll have them for lunch or breakfast whichever is most fitting obsessed with food so like of course your last word is going to be like cheese or something <laughs> she but anyway oh then Brittany up cheese <laughs> Well, that would be funny. Yes, absolutely. I think you're dead ass accurate when, I mean, it very well could be something to do with food. I would hope that I'm not in a hospital where I'm eating shitty ass hospital food. That no. Would suck. no, if you or were like, if you were cradling both worlds at the time and you were like in the real world, but also in heaven and you were like at the gates, you would be like, which way to the buffet? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Buffets are my absolute favorite way to eat. Because <laughs> they don't really is. Buffet is my favorite way to eat because I love to eat very random things, not together. Once. Like I won't eat it together, but at one after the other. So buffet is perfect because you can get, you can have a couple cucumbers and then you can, you have can get like a, as weird as you want. And then, yeah, you can get as weird. And yes, mm. as weird as you want, baby. And I'm all down for that. <laughs> Okay, what do you think mine would be? Wait, you didn't actually give me the chance. No, so I think my real- Okay, what is yours? Okay. I was thinking about this this morning because we like briefly talked about it yesterday. I think my real final last words would hopefully be some version of I love you because I would hope that I'm surrounded by people Aww. that I love. Honestly, like I hope that like I'm not alone yeah. and I feel bad for this time of like- when people are alone right now through COVID and stuff like that. Yeah. And I hope I'm just surrounded by family or friends or whomever is still with me at the time. Yeah. So yeah. All right. Now let's do yours. I was like so emotional and deep. If you're listening, <laughs> you need to go back and listen to episode 30 that I had with Sean Hitchens because he talked about his experience and being in the room with his ex-husband when he passed and like how mm -hmm. amazing and beautiful it was. And it totally changed my opinion on the moments when my dad passed. But anyway. Go ahead, mm -hmm. because you went way deeper than I expected. <laughs> I didn't even really think about it. What do I think my last words would be? Okay, now you have the best answer ever. So well, sorry. I think two things come to mind. One would probably be dad. If we're talking about if you're starting to see people from the other world, I would hope that he would be yeah. there to greet me and that I would be so happy to see him and that it would be like a little reunion. Or that the other thing that I would just say, thank you. And thanks yeah. to, to everybody that's there. And, and thank you to, for having this wonderful life. Yes. Yes. I like that. Thank you for just letting me live this journey. Yeah. Especially if it's like that, like it seems she passed pretty peacefully mm -hmm. and was surrounded by the people that she loved. And that's really the way to go. And if you believe in whatever it is that you do believe in, I think there are people that are with you in the end who have already crossed over or maybe spiritual guides or whatever it is. There should be somebody spiritually with you there in the end. Yeah. Is that all we have to talk about? I think so. Wait, no, let's talk about one more thing. Tristan Thompson. Oh. Can we even please let's. This guy, nothing brings the country together like hating Tristan Thompson. Uh <laughs> 
morning to everyone except for Tristan Thompson. Grief and loss. You're dead to all of us. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. Good riddance. Good riddance over it. No, but I feel, I feel really bad for Chloe. I know she's put herself in this situation uh, a million times, Mm. but again, this unmet expectation that she probably had this whole plan for herself of what her life was going to look like with him Mm -hmm. before the first freaking time that he cheated on her. And Mm -hmm. then in episodes in recent seasons, she's talked about wanting to at least have another baby with him so that true could have a sibling that was fully the blood of, of both parents. And that didn't work out. And uh, now it's just a whole shit show. So Chloe has really definitely had these unmet expectations and that's just a sin. Yeah. And I think there's so many of us who have gone through it, have literally been in her shoes, both male and female, whatever side you're on, where you end up back in this relationship or end up back in the same pattern, right? It's not uncommon whatsoever. You think it's going to be different, maybe different the second time, whatever. She's going to look back on this time, whether it's two years from now, five years from now, and be like, I'm so glad that didn't work out. Oh, a hundred percent. It's just so hard to see it when you're in it. Yeah. You're blind. You're blind to it when you're in it. Yeah. And then after you finally step back and your life has progressed, you're just like, I couldn't even imagine any other way. Oh, always. Yeah. And I just hope that she gets there. I hope she can finally just be rid of, and you know what pisses me off even more? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, let's hear it. We got the, the finger came out on that one. That she calls him TT. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. She calls him TT, which is a problem because that is like <laughs> one of my thousand pet names for my son. I don't even know how he knows his name is Tyler. He responds to his name somehow because I thought about that with Sienna the other day. I'm like, the amount of whack ass names that we call this child, how does she even know her name is Sienna? Yeah. So he's TT. He's baby child. He's snickerdoodle pie, whatever. Snickerdoodle like, pie is one of my favorites. Yeah doodle pie so yeah the fact that chloe calls him tt and it makes sense tristan thompson but mm-hmm. it's just like a little bit ruined it for me not gonna lie yeah no he no longer has a name he's dead <laughs> <laughs> anything else you would like to add before we close out oh, no i'm just sweating did you have fun no i had a horrible time. <laughs> You were great. This is so fun. We're doing this way more often. I know. We really should. Thank you so much for being here. I never in a million years thought I would, A, see you in therapy, B, see you on my podcast talking about being in therapy. So I could not be prouder of you. And I am so honored to be your friend. Oh my God. You're going to make me emotional. And now I have to go because I don't want the entire world to see my ugly crying face. All right. Signing off. (laughs) Love you. Thanks for listening. Head over to Instagram to follow more at so sorry with Gianna. If you're listening on Apple podcasts, leave that five-star review. I would love you for it more to come on this season of so sorry for your loss. So stay tuned.